Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. Over the years, Jessica and I, um, a couple of observations that we've made in churches, and I just mean like across the board churches, is often churches have and have areas that they're stronger in than other areas. And two areas that we've seen that um, churches tend to be strong in, but it's usually like one or the other, is either um, a, a real presence-focused church that, that has freedom with the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and these kind of things, and, that, and that's awesome, and it's dynamic. And we've seen other types of churches that maybe they don't specialize in that, but they're more focused on community and family and how to, how to interact well in healthy ways and stuff. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this or not, but it's, it's a pretty rare thing, actually, for churches to do both really well. Usually, the, usually there's, there, there's, there's a polarized for, focus I almost said focus and perspective, which came out perspective. So uh, a real polarized perspective. <laughs> it's either like presence and freedom in the spirit, or it's community and family and body, right? And so, but Jessica and I, like when, we, when God called us to plant this church, like those are two value systems that we believe they both need to be really strong in a church. Amen. Like, you don't, you don't really want to have one without the other one. And often, often you get one at the expense of the other one because of how much you're focusing on these things. <clears throat> and so, like, community-focused churches, family-focused churches, a lot of times the, uh, a lot of the teachings and the focus and the practice has to do with interactive behaviors and how, how to do well and better with how we serve one another, how we interact, how we work through relational issues, things like that, or outreaches and, you know, things that you that the body can touch, right? And, and the other ones focus on presence and Holy Spirit, so there's a lot of focus on Holy Spirit giftings and anointings and callings and all those kind of things that are supernatural, right? How many of you guys love the supernatural part of God? Oh man, come on. We are a supernatural church. How many of you guys love that God is also a family God? Amen. And he's both. He, he doesn't want it to be one at the expense of the other. And I think that a lot of people's experiences with churches, uh, I'll just say in America, I'm sure this goes beyond America, is, is just a polarization on one or the other. And so often churches will draw people who are hungry for whichever one that they see in that place. And so they'll draw those people, and then it, it, the, the attention gets weighted even stronger in that area. And, and if you don't, if there's not a, a balance of both, it's going to be deficient on the other side of it, okay? And so um, I, I'm hearing an echo. Are you guys hearing that? Yeah. Is there any way to fix the echo effect on this? It's your mic? Can, can you do something? Are we? He got it. All right, Lauren's mic. How did you know? Oh, 
Okay, it's, he, he said it's on and it just should echo. I thought maybe you were operating in a gift of the Spirit, word of, word of knowledge. So, you let me down, Lauren. No, I'm just joking. Now, you saved the day. That's what you just did. Thank you. I'm messing. All right, but, but churches, like, there, there tends to be a strong emphasis one way or the other, and it often means it's at the expense of the other. And, but something that's really strong in God's heart for Overflow Church is that we're, we're strong in both. We want to be a presence-centered church. We want to be a, a gifts and anointings church. We want to be a church where Holy Spirit can show up and do anything he wants with no holds barred. Amen? We also want to be a church that, uh, that, that really does have the value system of God as a father to children and brothers and sisters and learning how to function well as family, not, not just community. Like community is important, but I think community, if we don't see God's perspective on it, you can go to a rec center and get community and, and God not even be involved. You can go to a bar and like, like um, cheers and get community and God probably isn't doing a whole lot there, although some evangelists might go in there and see him move. <laughs> but that's not the community I'm talking about, right? Um, but, but like the Lord, he wants us to see community the way he does. He wants us to see community, not just, not just how, how to relate to one another well in a surface level, but how to relate to one another well at a deep spiritual and heart-connected level. Amen? So... And so, uh, like I said, a, a lot of churches, where, wherever they focus on, tends to attract people in those ways. And so, because we, we focus on both, and sometimes we spend, you know, seasons of, of heavy emphasis on one, and then sometimes the season shifts and we give heavy emphasis on another. And by the way, if you haven't noticed, we're on a heavy emphasis right now of the church, the ecclesia, so learning how to do that well. And so, but, but like people can get drawn based on what they see in a place that attracts them. Um, but when, but sometimes if people um, don't, are not grounded well in maturity in their relationship with Lord and the body, it, you, you can be drawn to something because you think that that's what it's all about. But when they start touching on something else, um, it, it sometimes can even create offenses for people because it's like, oh, I didn't know that's what you're about. I feel like I got gypped or whatever, right? I thought you were a Holy Spirit church, and now you're like telling me I need to actually do relationship good too. Yeah, I didn't gyp you. That was actually Jesus, okay? <clears throat> but um, sometimes, sometimes we attract people. This would be for every church, but for us practically, sometimes we'll attract people who are hungry for presence, hungry for the freedom flow of the Holy Spirit, and, but some people, they hear, well, this is a family place. And, and so they're like, man, I really love the community. And so that's awesome. But we also can have a tendency to lose people at times because maybe they were focused on one. But when the other emphasis comes, um, they're not interested for whatever reason, okay? But again, God is a God of presence and family. Everybody say that, presence family. They're both important to him. Amen. So sometimes when people want community and that's, that's what they value, then the Holy Spirit starts moving 
and I come up here and I start getting electrocuted, or maybe you start getting electrocuted, and or I'm just, you know, manifesting the Holy Spirit is what I mean. <laughs> like, that can freak a person out because they're not used to that. And I know that there have been people who got freaked out by it. And, and, or maybe, maybe they hear me up here praying in tongues, and they're like, well, the Bible says you have to have interpretation or else it's wrong. It's like, well, yeah, but you didn't understand that it says when you give a prophetic word in a tongue, there needs to be interpretation. That's a word to the body, right, for them to receive edification through it. But when we're praying to God, that you don't have to have the interpretation to pray to God because it's not a message to the believers. It's a message to him, amen? But sometimes people freak out. They hear us praying in tongues, and they're like, whoa, I didn't know. I thought this was a family church. It is. It is. But we're also a Holy Ghost church, okay? And so sometimes people want freedom in the spirit, and they want empowerment in their giftings, and then, but then they get offended when they see that we actually want to see family in them first. <laughs> that got kind of quiet for some reason. I'm not sure why. But, but the, like, we actually want to see family. And so you build trust when you, have fa- when you build family. And, and the more the, the family trust gets built, the more there's, there's the empowerment for the other things too. And so we, we value both, spirit and presence, family, community, commitment. Amen? It's, it's all kingdom. It's God. He, he actually is the one who invented this plan, not, not me, not Jessica. Like, it's God's idea. It's, it's written in this thing right here called the Bible, all right? So, and, and we know, like, we have a passion, we have a conviction that as a church, we have to grow strong in both realms. We need to grow strong in both realms of, to be a kingdom church. We need to grow strong in presence. We need to grow strong in Holy Ghost and in anointings and giftings, but not at the expense of the other. We have to grow strong in community, healthy community. We have to grow strong in family we have to grow strong in knowing one another after the Spirit and loving one another after the Spirit and committing to one another after the Spirit under our Father in heaven. It can't be one or the other. It's got to be both and. If you want the full, true kingdom expression, you can't do one at the expense of the other. It's got to be full-blown both realms. That's God. That's kingdom. That's heaven on earth. We want heaven on earth, and sometimes people think heaven on earth looks like open portals and angels coming and Holy Ghost just residing in thick glory on the earth, and it is. But if it is that without family, he's a good father, and he's got children, he's got sons and daughters that he loves, setting them free, setting us free from orphan beliefs, shackles of orphan beliefs, and, and this concept that we're in this on our own, and the Lord wants to, 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 to receive sonship, and, and, to, and to love one another well as brothers and sisters, so that you can have a healthy family that, that the world can look at and say, now that is the thing I've been missing my whole life. Come on. Come on. It's both and. 
And I want to say, we're not going to compromise on this. <laughs> Some people want us to do things different ways because it doesn't fit their version of what the church should be. But I'm not looking to build their version of the church. We're looking to build God's version of the church. Amen? So we won't compromise even at the expense of slower growth and sometimes losing people, okay? Like we can't, that doesn't mean that we don't still find ways that we need to grow and adjust and all that. I get that. But, but the thing is, like, we're building kingdom. We're building presence and freedom in the Holy Spirit. We're building family, healthy family. And we got to have both. Really, it's not actually two separate things. It all works together in union in the kingdom. We don't want to be revivalists who can throw Holy Ghost fireballs and see miracles, but be broken orphans on the inside. That's not what God's trying to do. He wants sons and daughters who know who they are, who, who, who feel and receive God's absolute, radical, unconditional love for them and, and have been completely transformed to, to believing that, that just as Jesus walked on this earth, so shall we. Not just as people who know how to do miracles, people who know that we're sons and daughters of the Most High God. Come on. When we know who we are, we, we start living and exhibiting a life that, that it doesn't reflect it, it actually exudes it. Sonship, daughtership. Jesus, the, the more that you discover who you are in Christ and who you are as a son or a daughter of the Most High God, the more Jesus has the freedom to manifest himself through you into this world around you. But we have to know we're sons and daughters. And, and we have to understand, we, we have to be okay with admitting that I don't get the full picture yet because I'm in process. <laughs> and that when, when the Bible says, I'm confident in this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, guess what? He has begun a really good work in you. By inserting himself into you, and trying to live from the inside out of you. So he's begun a good work in you. And I'm confident. Maybe not so much in you. I'm confident in him. <laughs> that he's going to keep working himself into your life. Manifesting himself through every part of who you are. But we have to, again, we have to be good at admitting that we're not there yet, which means there's areas I still need to adjust to. There's areas I might still be missing it. There's areas that I might not understand quite yet. I'm being perfected. I'm confident this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ, which means it's going to get better and better and better. But that also means you're not there yet. You're a work in progress, which means you're not perfect yet, but he's perfecting you. And so we have to be able to look at ourselves and one another as a work in progress. 
that Jesus sees the entirety of the fullness of the finished picture of who you are because to him, that's who you are right now. God sees you for who you are, the fullness of who you are, that you're not there yet, that he's perfecting in you. To him, that's already who you are. And it's just getting worked out in you. Why don't you guys say this with me? He's working it out in me. Although my life doesn't look perfect, he's perfecting me. And I will be perfect in the day of Jesus Christ. Tomorrow, I'm more perfect than I am today. Because I'm letting him do his work in me. Come on. That's powerful. But we have to, we have, we have to be generous. We, we need to be really good at receiving the realization, the revelation, the understanding and practice of that reality in our own hearts. But we have to be generous to be able to give that same gift to those around us. Oh, I saw you acting imperfect yesterday and... I think that your behavior determines who you are. So you're a failure. No, guys. No, that's not how. Yeah, let's laugh at that. <laughs> that's not who God thinks that person is. Jesus died on the cross and resurrected to bring that person into union with him so he can continue perfecting outwardly that which he's already perfected in the spirit. The union with Jesus. And so he's, he's working it out in them. And so we have to give one another the same grace that God wants us to have for ourselves. To be able to view that person by the Spirit of God as so much greater than they may feel like they are. Or maybe that you experience them as. The Lord wants us to elevate our perspectives on one another to see the finished work of the cross and then call that forth in them. He wants us to become excellent at seeing the gold of God's finished work in one another and then calling it forth. And some people are good at calling it forth, but he wants us to go to the next level, not just to be able to call it forth because it is fun to prophesy, but if, if we're going to really live in kingdom truth, prophecy is not enough. We have to prophesy, we have to call it forth, and then we have to treat them accordingly. We have to determine to give honor where it's due. Maybe honor is not due where a person failed. That's not where we're going to put honor. We've got to put honor on the gold of what Jesus has already completed in somebody that's getting worked out still, and they're not perfect yet, but he's perfecting it, and we're going to call that forth, and then we honor them accordingly. Come on. That's That's church. Come on. Turn your Bibles over to 1 Timothy 3.15. By the way, almost everything I just said was bonus because that's not even in my notes. That just came right now. First Timothy 
I've been, I've been saying this verse for the last two weeks. We're not done with it. It's a powerful verse. Paul's writing his letter to his spiritual son. How many of you guys know that there's spiritual fathers and mothers that God has for us? Spiritual sons and daughters that he has for us. That's called family. <laughs> Everybody say that's called family. It's fathers and mothers, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters. It's family. In God's kingdom, there are no uncles. <laughs> There's no cousins. There's no grandkids even to God. But he gives us sons and daughters and fathers and mothers so that we can learn how to grow in our, from our immaturity into our maturity. All right, And so Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy, raising him up <clears throat> to, be a, to be a leader of the churches that he had established in that region. And so everybody say local church. This was local church talk. This book, this was not universal church. You can be part of the body of Christ and, and the the church, but have absolutely no relationships with anybody else in the kingdom. That's not who this is written to. This is written to local church. Everybody say local church. Because in First Timothy 3, he starts teaching how the leadership of a church, a local church looks. Okay? And, and, it's, it's, and there's this life on life part of it. All right? But from, from him teaching about how to raise up leaders in the church, the very next verse springboarding off of that is, is verse 14 and then 15. And he says this, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. I write to you that you may know how to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. This verse literally is telling us that the church, and he's talking about local church. <laughs> okay? There's different forms of local churches, so I'm not saying it has to look a certain way specifically, but you just got to get my heart on this. Actually, don't just get my heart. Get God's heart on this. All right? He's literally is calling, he's declaring that the church of God is the house of God, all right? And we've been talking about this, that that word house that's in English is from the Greek word oikos. Everybody say oikos. oikos. So it's talking about oikos. He says, I wanna, I'm writing to you so you can learn how to conduct yourself in the oikos of God which is the church. What he's not saying is I'm going to teach you all the rules and all the patterns of how you can do church services good or attend a church meeting is good. All right? This has nothing to do with, with how the formalities of how to, how to present yourself in church, the right clothes to wear, where you should sit, how you should behave, when you should be quiet, when you shouldn't, those kind of things, all right? It's not that. None of that. What he says, he's not even talking about how to conduct yourself in, in the, the flow of these regulated services. 
He's, it's, it's bigger than that. That doesn't mean it doesn't show up there. It better show up there. But that's not what his focus, target is here. His target is how to conduct yourself in the oikos of God. <clears throat> We've been talking about that word oikos. That it, 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 it can be defined as house. And, and you'll read through the Gospels and through Acts, and it talks about how they went to different people's houses, and it's the word oikos. And it, so it can mean house. But, it, but actually, in the, in the heart of that word, it's not just talking about the building structure that somebody lives in. It's actually deeper than that, because that word can be described as, like, house, house is not even enough, even though that's how it is. It's household. The word household, it's family. It's the word family. So when you see the word family, often, not always often, it's the Greek word oikos. Everybody say oikos. oikos. Say oikos is, oikos is family. Say God wants us to learn how to conduct ourselves as God's family, which is the church. It's what it says. It's what it says. All right? So God's view of the church is way bigger than just showing up to services. That is absolutely part of it. You better believe it because the Bible teaches us that we need to not forsake the assembling together, right? So that's important, but it's not the whole. That doing just that doesn't cut it with God's kingdom dream of what the church really is. It's oikos, it's family. We're a household. Everybody say, we're a household. We're a, household. We're a, family. We're a family. We're God's family. We're, God. we're each other's family. We're Come on. All right, so the local church is the family of God, and he wants us to learn how are we supposed to conduct ourselves? How do we behave? How do we believe? How do we interact? How do we exhibit this thing that he's wanting from us with one another as a family? The, the, I think that this concept of church as family is foreign, probably to most Christians, at, le at least in our culture. I want you to be honest. How many of you guys, when I started like really going after this, that it's like, whoa, this is a kind of a this is kind of a new thought. I need to start taking in. I want to see hands if that was somewhat, any level, new. All right, okay. Some of you are telling the truth, and I'm just joking. God's, God wants us to see it. Like, like if you, like, your belief of, of a group of people being your family, like, you, we can believe it here, and we can say it, but it's proven in how we do it from here to one another. There's lots of room to grow. That we, we actually are we're far removed from, from God's dream. <laughs> Seriously. And I'm not saying that we're sucking at it. But I'm not saying that. I'd say that we've come a long ways as overflow and... There's a lot of churches that have no concept of this. It's, it's show up, do the thing. They, they, 
that do the performances or whatever. You hear the quick message, in and out, cattle herding. And I'm not saying God's not in that because he is. That is still is his church. But if we're not capturing God's vision for family, we're missing the, the center part of what this is all about. It's his heart. He, he loves his kids, and he loves his kids loving one another. One of the things that brings me and Jessica some of the greatest joy is looking at David and Livy and seeing how, how they love one another and interact with one another. That warms my heart. And, and when they're fighting and not doing good for long periods of time, I mean, it happens every day in spurts. But I, like when they, if, they, if it goes like long, it, like we're feeling it. And, and it's like it's time, to, it's time to adjust something. All right? That doesn't happen often with ours, thankfully. But um, I can't say the same for me and my sister when we were their age. All right, John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus said this. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. That's a commandment. It's not an option. If you, if you want to call yourself a true Christian, like this is not an option. Love one another as I have loved you. <laughs> Whoa. That just upped the ante. Don't just love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. Wow. So it's not just about me and God anymore. Like he's literally requiring me to give generously, give out the love that I receive from him. I now have to give that to the people around me. Okay? And guess what? He's not actually talking about this love for the world through evangelism. That's not what he's talking about here. He says, he says, this new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. He said, love one another. He's talking about his children, his disciples. You guys love each other really well. I, it's a commandment. Love well and do it the way I do it for one another. We can get really good at receiving God's love for us, but when we just keep it there, we're actually missing a huge part of the flow of heaven. He wants us to give that love out to other people. He says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples. Who's all? That's all. <laughs> like the people, there won't be anybody excluded from when they see you loving one another that they won't know you're his disciples. The people of the world, when they see us actually loving each other well, they're going to know there's something different. They might not get it that it's Jesus, but they're going to see something that's going to make them have to put the question on it. Where did that come from? Because that's something I've never seen before. This, by this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, this doesn't mean that we're not supposed to give that love out to the, to the world. Absolutely but if we're not doing home well, how can we think we're going to change the world well? And then Jesus, two chapters later, John 15, 12 through 13, he hadn't quite stopped talking about this yet. <laughs> he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. 
Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. So if we really want to get God's perspective on what family, the oikos, looks like, we need to see if, do I actually have the kind of love for the people around me that I'm willing to lay my life down for them? Not just saying, I'm going to die for Jesus. No, laying our lives down for one another to where I'm willing to actually invest this thing that I'm a steward of to embedder somebody else's life. How are we doing right now? Is my Yelp score doing okay? Or? Awesome. Good. Say what? Shoney's score? I see. Now that Shoney's score is always low. Listen, this kind of love for one another that I'm talking about, that's God's version of the church. That's God's version of the church. This, this is how we're supposed to conduct ourselves as the oikos of God. Selfless love. Not just selfless love, but love that's seeking for how it can invest itself into another person. Come on. It's what Jesus did. He said, what I did, what you've, what I, what you've experienced from me, from me, receive it. And then freely have received, freely give it away. That starts with love. Come on. I don't know about you, but I honestly feel the Holy Ghost all over me right now. He loves this message. He's all over this message. Does anybody else feel his presence right now? That is God's oikos love that you're feeling. That's his family love. This is the the father putting his amen on this. Whoa, it's getting stronger. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Somebody recently visited. Whoa, (laughs) it's getting a little thicker. Somebody recently visited, and I was so blessed to be able to talk to this person, and, and they, they shared with me a little bit about their past, and uh, went the, from another state, went to another church, and they, like, were kind of wild in the Holy Ghost, and, like, uh, they, they were, this person was happy that I mentioned something about Bethel and a redeemed story, it was last week, and she said, I was glad that you shared that, because I needed to hear that. But because she had a bad experience with a church where they get whacked on God and like fall out and convulse sometimes. And she like, I think it freaked her out. She said, but I don't, you guys aren't like that. I was like, that was today, but I can't vouch for that any other week. I'm feeling it right now. We have to upgrade the way that we love one another, all of us, all of us. Not, not like a self-worked-out thing, like, like religion, like I, I want to make myself do better. 
No, the, the way that you give out love is by receiving it from him first and then realizing that that person deserves what you just got too. We have to upgrade the way we love one another. We have to upgrade the way we perceive one another. Even the ones who have offended us are really just annoy us. <laughs> Jesus died for that person too. Guess what? That person that just really grates your nerves, Jesus is love smitten for that person. He loves that person, and he wants us to die to ourselves. He said, he said, no greater love has someone given than to lay down his life for one another. Like, even my nerves, my, the, the things that grate me, like, that's got to die. So I can love that person selflessly. Come on. Great word, man. <laughs> second Corinthians, I'm getting drunker by the second. Woo. Second Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. These are kind of core, core verses that we, we say often. But uh, therefore, from now on, we regard no one. Everybody say no one. No one. According to the flesh. Whoa. We regard no one according to the flesh any longer. This is a declaration Paul's making because I'll bet somebody who read this letter probably still did regard somebody after the flesh. But he's calling us higher. <laughs> calling us higher. We have to choose to stop regarding one another after the flesh. The stuff that, that offended you or the stuff that grated your nerves or whatever it could be. Like God's calling us higher to stop regarding each other from the flesh and start seeing the gold in one another. The part that looks imperfect, the part that looks incomplete, that he has already completed in them through the cross, if they're born again, and if they're not, he sure is trying to get in there. But, but, but he's, already, he's already given the full work of salvation to a person, but it's still getting worked out in the, in the soul and in the body realm. And so we're still missing it sometimes. We still have dysfunction because we haven't fully matured in those areas yet. We have to gift to one another grace that says the, the, this thing that they just did that really bothered me, I'm choosing to not judge them accordingly. I'm going to choose to judge them as a son or a daughter of the Most High God, and that's who I'm going to see them to be. And I'm going to love them accordingly. This is God. This is the, God, God sees the end from the beginning. And he calls things that are not as though they are. And as he does it, things happen. Because that's who God is. And we're his partners. 
And he wants us to partner with them and see one another the way he sees them so we can speak to them for who they are and call them up, call them forth, and love them accordingly. Come on. Why can we stop regarding people according to the flesh? Well, that was verse 16. Verse 17 answers that. Because if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation and the old things have passed away. Even that thing that really bothered you, that thing's passed away, but he's, he's, given, he's, made, us all, he's made all things new. All things have become new. And so that, that doesn't mean that everybody's perfect. Absolutely obvious. <laughs> but he needs us to see who Christ has made that person from the inside, that the outside is making it challenging to see it and, st- and speak to that, to, to choose to love that and then help love one another through the immaturity into maturity. Man, this is awesome. We must perceive the church the way God sees us in order to relate to the church the way he needs us to. So yeah, the church is imperfect. I get it. There's flaws. There's huge gaps. More things we want to see happen. I get it. We're, we're, have you ever heard that? You guys, if you've heard me for very long, you've heard me say this, that there's an there's a oak tree inside the acorn. And, and we've got to speak to the oak tree not the lack that the acorn has. That's how God does it. That's who we have to become, the people who can see the oak tree in one another's acorn and call it forth and love it well. And then you can even go to the next level and embrace the oak tree in one another and honor it and value it and even like commit yourself to the blessing of them becoming that thing. Hallelujah. Pretty good. (laughs) We need to see things God's way. The most famous prayer in the Bible was the one that Jesus taught us in Matthew 6. And, And how did he start his prayer off? He taught us to start the prayer by saying, Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. That, that's the beginning of the prayer, is our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He didn't teach us to say, Jesus is Father in heaven. We could have. Even Paul wrote some of his letters when he says, he says, May the blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we, we could have done that. Jesus is Father in heaven. But no, Jesus taught us to pray our Father in heaven so that it becomes our possession. He Jesus literally gave to us what he had. Sonship. Come on. He's a father. 
He's a good father. Everybody say, he's my father. He's a good father. Come on. That's awesome. He's our father in heaven. Why? Why would Jesus teach us to start a prayer off saying our father in heaven? Because he's a family God. <laughs> he's a family God. When you call out our father in heaven, what he hears is my beloved son is talking to me right now. My beloved daughter is talking to me right now. It, it totally melts his heart and he turns his full attention to you. Not because you worked hard enough fasting to get his attention. Because you're his son, you're his daughter. Come on. That's awesome. But it's also neat that Jesus didn't teach us how to pray and start off by saying, my father in heaven. He didn't start off saying, my father in heaven. It's our father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. That means it's not just about you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just about you. It's our Father. It's family. He's a family God. He's our Father. So he's your Father. He's your Father. He's your Father and all y'all's Father. So together he's our Father, which means that we are his kids. And so therefore, we're family. <laughs> Amen? Amen. And guess what? God is he, he's, he's bringing his kingdom to us. Like he, Jesus said that. Pray this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Like God's not intending for it just to stay way distant over there. He's actually wanting us to pray. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come right here. And Jesus went about preaching my kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is right here staring you in the face right now. Kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what, how does that context even start off by our Father? It's family, it's God's family. And guess what? God wants to bring his family through his kingdom into our midst, just like it is in heaven. <laughs> just like it is in heaven. I want you to imagine what God's family looks like in heaven. Holy Spirit, I ask you just to, just to release the sanctified imagination on everybody right now. The mind of Christ. I, I, I want to call on you right now. Imagine what God's family in heaven looks like. Is, is there any anger that you see in his family up there? Is there any dysfunction? Bickering, judging. Do you see anybody looking at somebody else thinking, man, they're really screwed up? Or, man, I don't want to be around you. <laughs> Do you see that? No? I want you to, I want you to imagine this. What, what would, uh, what, what is fellowship? What would fellowship, community, of God's holy saints that have been completely purified of all forces of this earth, completely in the pure realm of heaven, 
saturated in God's presence. They, they're, they're beholding God's face probably every single day if there are days there, which I actually heard in the song there's not. But beholding God and, and, and people being transformed because the Bible says that, when, that we will become like him when we see him, right? So, so it's like the Lord is, he purifies us when we go to heaven of all the things that create limitations in our life and hold us back from the full expression of who God is to you and through you. And in heaven, there's none of that. So if you've ever had a loved one who died and went to heaven, like you know that all the things that you saw in their life that was the ugly stuff is not there, and so you can dream of what they look like in heaven in the perfected form of who God created them to be. That's them in heaven. Hallelujah. And my dad is up there. He no longer is addicted to... Uh, to tobacco and all that stuff and all his life patterns and his bad attitudes, all that stuff. No, my dad is there and he is the most loving dad I would have ever known. Come on. Guess what? Who he is in heaven right now, that's who God always knew him to be when he struggled on this earth. And if he could have known that on this earth, he would have broken free from all of those bondages that he had. And he could have lived in complete victory on this earth. Because God knew him on this earth as the one who he knows he is now. That's amazing. That's how he knows you. Imagine... When you go to heaven, whether it's by rapture or death, whichever method, or, or maybe you'll be lucky like Elijah. Imagine, though, you go to heaven and, and he pulls you out of all the, the, the demonic influences and the cultural influences and the family influences and the struggles that you've had and the failures you've had and, and, and the identity stuff that you collected along your way, the broken lenses of the worldview of yourself and the world and God like all that stuff completely healed and it's the perfect version of you, the purified, golden version of who you are. Standing in the Shekinah glory of God, being completely immersed by God's love and his glory and, and there's union with him, like you melt into him. He melts into you, heaven. We all long for that. And that's who you are to God right now. To God, the only thing that changed was that the junk and hindrances fell off of you and you discovered who you were the whole time. And that's who God wants us to see ourselves as. But we, we also have to give that gift to one another. Hallelujah. That's God's perfect oikos. And as, as, as family, if you can imagine his family in heaven, 100% of people functioning at that level, loving, interactive, unity like we've never seen before in heaven. And that is God's dream for the church. It's the same family right here on this earth. 
and he values this family the same as he values the family in heaven. To him, it's the same family. Ephesians 3, 14 through 15 says, For this reason I bow my knee to who? Oh, the Father. I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. So it's not just Jesus' Father, he's our Father. We're part of his family, and we've been named after him. And we're the same family on earth as that is his family in heaven. And God wants us to catch hold of that reality. Heaven come, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His family that's in heaven, he wants that to, to be exuded from heaven into earth so that we become the full version of that right here. Doesn't mean that, he, that, we're, we're, that all the impurities of this world go away, it, but what it means is the value that we have for ourselves and for one another is equal to that. It's the same gold. Come on, guys. Okay, you're going to have to declare with me now. Who I will be in heaven is who I am right now to God. Who my brothers and sisters are will be in heaven is who they are to God right now. And I choose to see myself this way more and more. I choose to see my brothers and sisters in this way more and more. Come on. It's powerful. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna close with a with a testimony. I always know what my next sermon's gonna be these days. <laughs> because I thought I was gonna say some of that today, and now I'm set up for success. I can't remember if I was in first year or second year at BSSM, um, but we, we had been learning so much about our identity in Christ, which, by the way, there's nothing you can do more powerful and important than discovering your identity in Christ. And we focus on that a lot here because it's so transformational. Excuse me. But we were... Um, <clears throat> We were going to be doing a trip home for Christmas. This was either 2009 or 2010, because I, I don't remember which year it was. <clears throat> we didn't have kids yet, but we were getting ready to take a trip home for Christmas. And the Lord gave me a challenge, an exercise to do. He wanted me to spend some time meditating and, and just capturing revelation by the Spirit of God with, the, with this good old sanctified imagination that we have, Right? The mind of Christ. <clears throat> he wanted me to catch a vision of my family, my biological family in Indiana, because I lived in California. I only saw them about once a year at that time. To catch, a vi kept, catch revelation on who each one of them would be or what, what they would be like 
if we had all like if we if we just instantly transitioned from earth into heaven and like we're getting together for Christmas reunion, but it's heaven where there's no sin, there's no dysfunction, there's none of the ugly past stuff anymore because Jesus has washed it all away, right? There's no addictions, there's no um, anger, there's no hard feelings for getting lashed out in the past, like all that stuff is gone. Washed by the blood of Jesus, completely immersed into the, the atmosphere of heaven. And I started seeing in my spirit, and, and everything had a golden hue to it. And I, and I saw my family, each one of them, and I saw them, it was like golden hue, light, glory light on them. <clears throat> and they were pure, and, and they were wearing white robes. <laughs> robes of righteousness, right? There's no, there's no unrighteousness any longer in this setting. <clears throat> and the Lord started get, just... Sh- showing me into their hearts, like, this is who this person is without all that other baggage. That's who they are. This is what they're like. And, and I, I just honed in on that, and I meditated on that. I prayed for them like that. Because I was determined to go home and do the best I could, which I wasn't perfect, that every time I was engaging with any of my family, and I was staying with mom and dad, dad probably being the worst of all of them in the sense of ugly interactions at times. And I had to, every day I had to, I had to remind myself, I'm going to focus on what they look like in the pure form of heaven. And I'm going to interact with them and treat them accordingly. I'm going to, I'm going to bestow honor to them as being that person instead of the one I'm used to interacting with. Because I was used to getting triggered by them. And finding ways that I'm going to defend myself and protect me and distance myself when needed. And all the kind of stuff that we do to try to just survive the dysfunction of the moment. Like the Lord was like, put all that aside and, and just don't, like whenever they would do the things, because they're not seeing themselves like that, right? They're not, they have no idea that I'm seeing heaven's imprint on them. So they're still functioning in the same old ways. But, but the, every time I felt them act a certain way that would have triggered me, the Holy Spirit's like, that's not who they are. Love them. And, and so I, I had to keep checking myself constantly and, and was very proactive in speaking truth, speaking identity to them, uplifting them and encouraging them. I did that for the whole two weeks. It was a pretty amazing exercise. And it blessed them. Like, I, they, we didn't have a conversation about it. I didn't say, hey, guys, God told me to start seeing you different than the way you're actually acting. <laughs> like, <laughs> didn't, I didn't do anything like that. <clears throat> I, I just, I, I gave it to them without saying anything to them about it. Okay. But, the, but you could, I could feel a shift in their heart towards me. I could feel a softening. I could feel uh, them being encouraged and built up. And also, before I went home on that trip, um, I had a list of every single person in my family, my parents, my brother and sister and their families and kids, all of us. And I asked different students in BSSM, would you get a prophetic word for this person? 
and they didn't know anything about them. But they got prophetic words for this stranger, wrote it out, and then my Christmas gift to each one of them, at least part of the gift, was given this prophetic word to each one of them. And let me tell you, they nailed it on all of them. And it, it rocked them. It actually shifted things in their spiritual lives. It, it elevated their faith level and their hope level and gave them perspective to reorient some of the things that they were focusing on. It's wild. In my old home church that I grew up in asked me to preach that Sunday. And, and so I, I, the Lord said, bring the same perspective to that church. And so I, I, I beheld that church through the eyes of if they're in heaven, I could see that golden hue on them. I could see people in their white robes and, and just the innocence and the pure form of them that wasn't really being exhibited, but I'm seeing them after the Spirit. And, whoa, I feel God's. I'm about to do something in my head up here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like glory just hit my head. Thank you, Lord. Sorry, not Sorry. You have to pause for the Lord every once in a while, you know. Um, I, I, but I started preaching this stuff and identity and stuff to them and just calling it out. And then the Lord actually started giving me um, wor words of knowledge for healing. And people started getting healed. But uh, I had everybody stand, and, and I asked the Holy Spirit to fall on people. And, and then I said, I just felt led by God to do this. I said, anybody who's feeling... Um, like a buzzing presence in your hands, raise your hand. And like there was probably 15 people that raised their hands. And and the Lord told me, I don't do this often, but oh gosh, I'm starting to get, I might lose my balance up here. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I pray that if you do this to me, that you do it to them too, so I'm not a spectacle. <laughs> I'm getting drunk or light, lightheaded or something. Mo load. If I fall, there's mo on the flow. I'm, I'm leaning. <laughs> oh Lord, don't make me a spectacle, guys. You need to drink. Where was I at? Oh, losing my place. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so so there's 15 people raised their hands, and I felt led to have them come up. And I said, by the way, you guys are my ministry team. They had no clue. And then, and then for all the people who responded to different words of knowledge, they came up to receive prayer, and they laid hands on them. And I think at least half the church got healed that day. That was crazy. Come on. <clears throat> and one of the things that rocked some people's worlds in the church was the there was more than one person that came up that was my prayer team that healed, that God used to heal people were, were completely backslidden and not walking for Jesus. <laughs> Whoa, but, but, they actually, but the people got healed off of it. But, but that's God trying to show us. He's not judging us by the outward appearances. He's not judging us by our current failures. He's, he knows who we are, and he's calling us higher. And the Lord broke something in the church, and they had functioned in healings in years past, but they haven't been walking in it. And God gave them a breakthrough of hope 
and, and also the release of the healing anointing in the church again, and they started seeing healings every week for like the next two years. Come on, guys. That's awesome. That's awesome. But, the, but, but my point is that the Lord was given, he was challenging me to, to determine my perspective on other people. I'm not saying I excel at this all the time. I, 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 it's a good reminder for me too, but, but the Lord wants us to intentionally perceive other believers as, as the beloved children of God who are the glorified ones, the, the ones that he has so much greater things for them that he's doing a perfecting work in and we get to partner with him to call people forth and to help grow them into the fullness of what God has. And that is what it looks like to conduct ourselves in the oikos of God. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Boy, Lord, I, I pray that Holy Spirit start whacking people right now. I'm not joking. Stand up. He's here. Just if you want God to touch you, just stand up and lift your hands to him right now. Whoa. Lord, let this not, don't let me be a spectacle. Lord, I pray that you'll share the goods. Holy Spirit, just fall on everybody in here right now. Whoa. Whoa, do you guys feel his presence? Just say more, Lord. More, Lord. We want more, Lord. God, we love you. Lord, this is about you. Thank you, Lord. You, you have our time. You have our attention, Lord God. We love you. We want you. You guys pray for revival all the time. Like you, you can take drinks every time he's dishing it out. This is a time. This is a time right now. Holy Spirit, touch people and fill people right now in the name of Jesus. And I, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will do this thing that we're talking about. Lord, that you will unlock the eyes in people's spirits and hearts, Lord God, that we will look to one another and regard them no longer from the flesh, Lord, but we'll be able to behold the, the finished work of Jesus Christ in one another and be able to see that in one another and, and, and call it forth and respect it and honor it and love that well. Lord, that you'll help us to, to learn what it looks like to commit ourselves to one another's breakthroughs. That we would commit ourselves to one another's breakthroughs, Lord. That's church. That's oikos. Lord, you, you said no greater love has anyone than this to be willing to lay his life down for his brothers. Lord, teach us. Lord, you did that for us. Lord, what does that look like? Lord, the, where we have our pre-planned uh, pre ideas of how I'm going to be doing my life or my day or whatever, and, and sometimes you actually disrupt our ideas because you're doing something. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we, we, we say that we're living sacrifices. We say that we lay our life down to you. But Lord, you're saying, I wanna, I'm going to put it to the test sometimes. I, I ask you to show us, Lord God, what does it look like to invest ourselves into our family, into our oikos, into your family. 
Thank you, Lord. I, I pray that you will help us, God, as a, as a church family, a congregation. Lord, give us an anointing right now. I ask you to impart an anointing on every single person to be able to see in the Spirit, from the eyes of the Spirit, to behold one another in the finished work of Christ Jesus. To looking past the nose. <laughs> looking past the eyebrows. Looking past the hairdo. Looking past the, the shirt. Looking past even the eyes, Lord, to, be, to, to go deeper into the windows of the soul, Lord God. To be able to see deep within one another. Spirit to spirit. And that, Lord, we won't judge one another according to their, their imperfections, Lord God, but we'll choose to see the gold. Lord, you're, you, you told us to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, you have a family in heaven and you got a family on earth and to you it's one and the same. And I pray that you'll help us to be able to see that family spirit from heaven transferred to us. So that we can love in a pure form right here on this earth, Lord. Help us to become everything that you dream of us to be, Lord God, as your oikos, your family, your church. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Get ready, guys. I, I feel like some people are going to start feeling something just come fall on your head right now. You might feel it somewhere else too, but is anybody feeling God's presence just in a real distinct way right now? More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Whew. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. God, this is all about you. This is your family, your church. Lord, you are a good father, and you're here right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Lord, let us, let us walk out in our flesh bodies, Lord, what you are to us in the Spirit, Lord. Let our, let our flesh bodies be conduits of your Spirit released into the earth around us. Released into the family around us. Hallelujah. If the person next to you is, is okay with it, if you guys, I'd love for you to start, just put your hands on somebody's shoulder or the just upper back area. Don't go lower back area unless you're married. Yeah, I want you to start releasing God's presence and goodness on one another. And ask the Holy Spirit even now to, to just give you eyes for the person that you're touching. Just eyes to be able to see them in the spirit right now, to see the gold, to see that golden hue, <laughs> to be able to see the pure form, to see the robe of righteousness, to see them the way you see them, Lord. More, Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask you to whack people. Thank you, God. More, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I ask you even to let this time be a time, Holy Spirit, to just flush out of people's hearts 
and, and flush out of people's souls, Lord, wounds and things that they're carrying, um, things that, it, whether, it, whether it's feelings of betrayal or feelings of offense or whatever it might be, uh, feelings of, of just being hurt by people, Lord, just, just flush that out. Just flush that out of people's hearts and minds right now. Hallelujah. Give people the grace, Lord, to, to renew the commitment to love well, even if they didn't feel loved well. Hallelujah. That's called unconditional love. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. I pray that you'll make us a body, Lord, that when, when new people come in, that they're going to feel your love. They're going to feel your welcome, your embrace. Lord, that you'll bring people deeper into your heart. Hallelujah. Lord, we want to see transformation in more than just those who are here today, God. So we ask you for increase, Lord, but help us to be a people who function the way that you do, Lord, to conduct ourselves as the oikos, the family of God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody say amen.